Welcome to Into the Fire, a Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series. This is Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theater Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Our guest today is Byron Jennings, who has appeared in one of our shows so far in the 27th season, but will be appearing in two more uh, before the season's done. And so we thought it would be a good idea to bring Byron in and talk with him a little bit about the work, uh, his work as an actor, and the work that we're doing uh, with the company this year. So Byron Jennings, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us again. This is your second uh, uh, shot at the podcast series. Um, (laughs) Yes. And uh, so let's start off just by talking about uh, Him, which is the play H-Y-M-N, Him, um, by Lolita Chakrabarty, uh, which will open on January 25th of 2024 and run for three weeks through February 11th. Uh, so tell us a little bit about him. You are, have been doing a deep dive into it. Uh, yes. What, what can you tell us? So, um, oh gosh, it is a fantastic play about uh, relationships, uh, particularly between two brothers who didn't know each other existed um, until they meet at their father's funeral. Right. Um, and then they go on a journey of... I think it's a play about acceptance. It's a play about generational trauma. Um, I think trying to live up to parents' parental expectations, um, building community, uh, nostalgia. The two characters uh, get very nostalgic along the way, particularly with music. So it's a very cool play with some musical elements uh, that I'm really excited about. Some of these songs, uh, I was a kid when a lot of these songs that we referenced uh-huh. uh, uh, re- was released, but uh, very, very excited to dive into yeah. that. And the mu- music is sort of a connective tissue between the two brothers, I guess you'd say. They yes. don't know each other. They've never met each other. They, for all intents and purposes, have lived diametrically opposed lives absolutely but the music is the one bond that they have that brings them together a little absolutely. bit absolutely yeah band. tell us about your character They're, the two characters are um, played by uh, Juan Isler mm-hmm. and yourself um, and uh, your your character has made uh, a business uh, yes right? uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about that, that sure aspect. Uh, so my character's name is Gil and uh, Gil so sort of gone into the family business. Yeah. Um, he's a guy who's tried to live up to his father's uh, expectations his entire life. Um, he is one of four. I, I think he's the only son in the family. So he has older sisters. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to live up to their, their expectations, his father's expectations. And he sometimes stumbles along the way, but he has a lot of ideas about what he wants to do and how he wants to implement those ideas. And he wants to, once we meet uh, the brother, uh, he wants to sort of incorporate him into some of his, I don't want to say schemes, but kind of a scheme, Uh shenanigans. Um, And so he's a man who, once he puts his mind to something, 
you know, he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, this is how we're going to do it. I have this idea. I can get the money from this resource. We're going to get this building and all these things. So he has all these ideas and he wants to implement them. And he thinks that it's going to set him on the path of success. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Has your, uh, have, have you thought about what that, that business is yet? Uh, what, what he's involved with? The, the yeah. It doesn't really make it that clear. It, Stationary, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which, which is an interesting business yeah. uh, to go into, yeah. uh, which is actually, now that I think about it and the fact that we talked about, before we went on mic for this, we talked a little bit uh, about me appearing in art, um, and one of the characters in art, if you remember, yeah. Stationary <laughs> uh, was his business, and I think it was the, it was the character played by Juan. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. so it's interesting that this time around, yeah. I'm reuniting with Juan, um, who is just hilarious and giving and such a great guy. So I'm glad that we get to go on this journey together. You have to uh, be on your toes. Absolutely. With Juan. With yeah. Juan. And I love it. Yeah. I love that Juan will keep you on your toes. Uh, but he's giving on stage yeah. and, and we just have the best time. But Good. Uh, Gil wants to go into the stationary business yeah. and so we're thinking about like just a shop somewhere like a stationary shop. uh yes stationary shop but not just it, any kind of stationary it's going to be very fancy uh -huh. it's going to appeal to the businessmen in the okay. in the area um and he has an idea of them coming in and ordering something that is super fanciful and and, and expensive and paying a lot of money right. um and he's just, it's going to take off. Right, 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 right. And what had you been doing? Because your character is probably in, in his late 40s, mm -hmm. I would guess. Late 40s, like uh, yeah. What has he been doing before that? Is so uh, <coughs> the father's business was in uh, tailoring uh -huh. and, and clothing. Right. So to kind of keep that going, he's been doing a lot with that. Okay. But that's not what he's the wanted dream. to really do. Yeah. Um, but his father was a demanding person, an exacting person. And so he felt, uh, if I'm going to stay in those good graces and not seem like a failure, um, to my father, then I need to toe the line. I need to do the family business, but that's not what he's wanting to do. Right. That's, uh, there's, there's a little bit of parallel with your own life, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, because I know you, you went in uh, an yes. entirely different direction <laughs> at one point. So... Oh, gosh. When I was nine, I, I made a declaration to my parents that I was going to become an attorney. Okay. I have attorneys in the family. They said, okay, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's what we're going to do. And so I, you know, throughout, well, yeah, nine, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, that was the track. Yeah. My uh, degree is in political science, which a lot of oh, attorneys, wow. that's yeah. typically what they do. So. Yeah. I said, all right, before I head off to law school, it would be nice to work uh, in a firm to see if it's really what I want to do. And thankfully, um, a fellow theater uh, actor in the area, uh, Seth Bloom, who I appeared, um, oh gosh, she was a guest artist when we were doing a play, uh, Boys in the Band yes. at NC State. Yeah. And so once I graduated, Seth and I kept in touch and I'd done a show with his wife, Rebecca, and ended up coming to the firm and managing the firm for 17 years, and they taught me how to go into law school. Wow, wow. Seth and the other partner, Howard, said, is this really what you want to do? Yeah. Uh, so I ended up managing a law firm. So I was close yeah, for yeah. 17 years, yeah. uh, but my, my grandparents in particular were not very happy about that. One time they came to visit, 
and they said to the partners, why, why is our grandson not in law school? Right, <laughs> you right, know? Right. And I was like, don't do it. You, know, you got to cost me my job, grandma and grandpa. Exactly. But they, much like Gail's father, my grandparents are amazing people. They're both college educated uh-huh. um, in the 50s in a time where um, actually a lot of, regardless of your race, a lot of parents didn't go to law school, but two black grandparents who are both college educated. um, It's a bit of a rarity. Um, It's still under 30% of the entire population of the country. So yeah, Yeah. that would have been, so 70 years ago, that would have been extraordinary for any family. Absolutely. And, you know, I learned, my grandmother just celebrated her 85th birthday. Yeah. Um, and I learned, it's so funny how with each birthday and each year you just learn something sort of new about your family. Yeah. But my grandmother tells a story how she was a valedictorian of her class in 1956. And she walks into the University of Florida, the registrar's office, and they proceed to hand her a maid uh, uniform, yeah, so thinking she was there. So, yeah, and she said, yeah. uh, no, I'm here to register for classes. I'm valedictorian of my class. Yeah. And they said, this is the University of Florida in Gainesville. We don't accept Black people. Really? Mm-hmm. And so she ended up going to an HBCU, yeah. uh, graduating with a degree in um, classical music and piano. She's yeah. a classical vocalist, and a, uh, she plays amazing piano, and went on to do some amazing things. She went on to become first lady of Gainesville when my grandfather was mayor the in mayor. 1998. Yeah. And the great thing is, when we celebrated her this past, uh, when we're, in August, uh, her birthday is in June, but we celebrate in August. She was given a key to the city. Uh, and how amazing that all these years later. The, tra- the transfer of uh, um, uh, focus yeah. from, uh, from that, that very dark, um, hateful period to, to something not, not yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, there's still vestiges of it, but there, there's also uh, huge progress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... See, those kinds of things, my grandparents had very high expectations for us. They said, you know, you have, you know about some of our experiences, so we expect you to soar. And they were very, you know, I I would always say, I have a fantastic job. I run a law firm. Like, that that is an incredible job. But they wanted more. And so I sort of, I I understand that uh, with Gil, that there was always an expectation of more. They're proud of me, but, you know, they've always, so everything... I'm now just my grandmother is living my uh, paternal grandfather past in 2020. But um, even with my grandmother, when I went to the birthday <laughs> celebration, she hugs me, tells me how much she loves me because right. I'm a firstborn grand grandson. And uh, but she also says, "When it's law school, why aren't you?" Involved? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm 43 now, but I guess I, you know. <laughs> Well, uh, it's never too late. (laughs) That is very true. But you are working uh, for a a business now that's that's kind of a dream job for you, right? Yeah, yes. I I am working for, uh, funny enough, a a beach shade company uh, started by three really good friends of mine that it's just taken off. And so they sort of lured me away from the firm uh, and I'm head of their customer service division because I am just, I I like working with people um, and working with clients and other attorneys. They said, you know what? We want you to come over here and help build uh, this division and our company. And it's been two and a half years. It's been fantastic. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a fantastic job. I've felt that every time I've talked to you about that subject, I felt like you were just, not that you were unhappy before, but I felt like there was just an explosion of, of, uh, happiness and positive. Yeah, absolutely. And working at the firm, you know, I have to say, 
was great. I grew up there. I was at the firm from the ages of 23 to 40. Yeah. So the partners were like dads to me. And so I still keep in touch and I'm, I still go by for dinner or lunch. And so I was really fortunate to learn a lot. Uh, and they were super supportive of my theatrical career yes. as well. And Seth yeah, there. and Seth, Seth and I, back in 2008, <laughs> we did uh, Othello together. He was Iago, I was Othello. And and <laughs> on our lunch break, we were going to each other's offices, shut the door, and run, run lines. lines. Just <laughs> run lines. We are like, if it's not an emergency, do not disturb either one of us. We need to get these lines. Just so. imagining a client walking by, hearing that language, and going... <laughs> Wow, this is a high-end law firm. Right. You know, we had a couple of the, the paralegals and, and, and other staff members were like, you know, they were sort of listening as we were running lines because we would run them in character, you know, definitely not sotto voce. And it was right. just, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very funny. Yeah. So um, so uh, the the other thing about uh, him that I think is, is really interesting is um, – I think part of the play has to do with uh, the 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 unknown presence in a person's mm -hmm. life, yeah. um, and in, in this case, I mean, we could talk about the father, but he he's dead before the play begins. Right. But there's a brother, you know. There's mm -hmm. this brother that that your character, well, neither of you ever knew existed right. before, and it seems to me that that um, um, realization that I. I'm. I wasn't alone all that time. Yeah. You know, if I had just you know known it, and then trying to to rush to to figure out who that person is mm -hmm. and how they fit into your own life and stuff like that is a very joyous idea. You know, it's yeah. it's a, it's sad in a way because you realize all the time that was lost. Right. But there's also something very joyful about realizing that you, I wasn't alone all that time. You know? Yeah, and uh, very brave. Yeah. To even decide that to sort of take the plunge and go to this person and say, I know of you, yeah. um, here I am, yeah. you know, where do we go from here? Right, because you never know what's behind that door, you know, right. when you open the door. Absolutely. You know? uh, and it's, uh, so the play is, uh, is, is quite a jo joyous experience in my, in my estimation. I mean, I, I saw a production of it previously in England mm -hmm. and, um, and I felt that the the audience response to it was was one of welcoming. You know, you felt like the audience was just wrapping the characters in their arms, yeah. and and vice versa um, throughout the play. Um, uh, so um, so let's uh, let's shift gears then and talk a little bit. So you've come down really fairly soon from um, from Arcadia, <laughs> right? Coming off of stills, <laughs> I imagine. You know, we're, I, I'm I'm still on a high from that show. Yeah. Really? Why did it Why did it work like that? You know, even one of the critics yeah. talked about the the palpable uh, ensemble feeling among the cast. Yeah. When the audience is noticing yeah. something like that, I feel like it means that, that it's really really happening. Why was it happening? Do you have any thoughts? Oh, we are a close cast, so we still we text yeah. almost every day. Why? Okay. why? Because <laughs> every cast I, I, Well, first of all, thanks to you. Like, you cast the show. You you brought us together. Yeah. So, thank you, first and foremost, for that. Um, I don't really know how to describe it other than from that first table read. We, we all looked at each other and we were thinking, 
okay, like we're here to work and we're here to, we're going to make some discoveries. And then as we got, and even though essentially you have at some points like two different shows, two different, you know, we, so after our, and you know, we talked about this a little bit with our reunion on the telethon, um, that we had about a week long table read. Right. And then the 1809 cast and the 1993 cast didn't see each other for a couple of weeks right. uh, because that's just the way you know, we rehearsed it. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, but even then, it was nice, though. We did have a little bit of overlap where, you know, if they were rehearsing for a couple of hours and then we would arrive, we got to see what they were doing. Be in there in the room. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it, there was just a lot of awe and respect for each other's talents. And there was a tremendous amount of talent on that stage. Yeah. And uh, and they were, on top of that, really good people. Right. I mean, backstage, Friendly. we just we got along so well in the dressing room. We talked about all manners of things, and we just were there for each other. If someone needed, uh, I remember a button popped off a costume, um, and I forgot who it was, but it's just like, okay, I'll take it. I'll sew it back on. I think it was Daniel. I think it was Daniel who yeah. said, I'll, you know. And so Daniel, who was two seats down from me in the dressing room, just just like, you know, sitting there. And we're just, we're always running lines. Yes. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. That's one of the. So many of them. There were so many of them. So that was one of the, one of the few shows where you would see each of us in our script in the dressing room before the show. Just making sure I would run various monologues. Um, I like to do this thing in my process where, how do I describe it? It is a, I almost like to surprise myself with a, like, so I'll just pick a, a moment in time in the script and then I'll, I'll know the character's line before yeah. my cue line yeah. and then I'll just go into the monologue oh, that's just good. to make sure. Yeah, that's um, and so I know a few of us were doing that. I sat right beside Ian and sometimes Ian and I would run our first interaction uh, in scene two, um, or he would be running his lines, and I would just jump in and run with him. Yeah. And he'd be like, "Okay, let's do, you know we're doing this." So everyone wanted to make sure uh, we were always fully invested in the show, but we wanted to make sure that a Stoppard's words we got them like yeah. spot on, yeah, yeah. Um, but also up until the last show. October 29th, we were still making discoveries. Yeah. We were still making discoveries. And that is the mark, I feel like, of A, a fantastic play, but of a really cohesive cast that really wants to. You're listening to each other. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Yeah. I had another thought about it, uh, and I was not in the cast, obviously, so uh, shoot this down if you want to. I was thinking. (laughs) That play is so difficult, uh, you know, the, the, the ideas in it, mm-hmm. uh, that I think everyone started from the same place, which was, what the hell oh, am yes. I talking about? Jerry, oh my gosh, when, there were a couple, I think that first week of Table Reads, yeah. I was driving home thinking, this is the first time I've... I have had imposter syndrome before. Yeah. And in fact, it tends to happen to me at that very first table read. I don't know why. Like, years on. Like, I, I, I have been doing this for a very long time. And even then, I'm like, Jerry's not going to hire me again. He's not going to break. I already hired you for three years. <laughs> no, but I'm just like, what am I doing? Money in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing? And, but... Yeah. I like doing things that scare me. Yeah, you know, doing until the flood 
when doing the one man show, I've I've said this to you a few times. It's it was one of the scariest times of my life. In one of the scariest times in human history. In our in our old yeah. yeah yeah and so. um, and it scared the ever living mess out of me. And I and I have a tendency to run towards things like that instead of away from them. Too, yeah. um, and so. And one thing I loved that you did amongst a lot of things is during that table read, you made sure we knew what we were talking about. When we referenced a character, whether it be um, a fictional character uh, made up by Stoppard yeah. or an actual uh, historical character like Lord Byron or Thomas Peacock, you made sure that we knew everything about that character. And that was one of the few shows too where I was sitting, I would go home with my script, bring up Wikipedia, Google, yeah. I'm reading, I'm referencing, I'm writing notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it paid off. Yeah. One of the many things that I heard from friends, even my friends that English is not their first language, I had two friends who are Costa Rican yeah, who came yeah. and saw the show and they said, we understood it all. Wow. They said it took them a couple of, with with the British accent, the dialects, yeah. Think yeah. it took a few minutes, but they said, wow. we understood it all. All. That's great. That's great. Um, and you know, one of the biggest questions they get uh, that we get at the end is, uh, "Who is the hermit?" Yeah. You know, most people are like, "Oh, you know, Septimus," but some people are like, "Okay, I just want to make sure is it yeah. is it Septimus or you know, um, just they had great questions and feedback." Uh, a very good friend of mine uh, uh, who lives n near where I live uh, didn't get that uh, in the show mm -hmm. uh, or didn't think she had got it. But when I said it, she said, oh, of course. Yeah. So she had, I think she had got it, uh, had re received it at least subliminally. Right. Or you you can tell people, oh, this is the person and they can start going back in their mind to and see those clues. Go and working back. Right, right. Yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, it was a it was a joyful experience for for me, and I I certainly uh, don't think that would have been the case if I hadn't had that cast to work with. So, yeah. so thank you on behalf Absolutely. of all of that. Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, the we're um, after so him uh, uh, January twenty fifth through February eleventh, mm -hmm. and then early March two weeks later yeah. uh, we start <laughs> rehearsing. Uh, you start rehearsing with me for yes. um, a little night music. Oh, I am incredibly excited. Uh, to play Count Magnus, uh, the Dragoon, as he's referred to uh, in, in the script. But I love Sondheim. Yeah. Uh, anytime anyone tells, asks me to perform a Sondheim show or a song, um, Sondheim is a musical theater, Shakespeare. Yeah, I think that's um, right. Yeah. The man is brilliant. I've been fortunate enough to do a few Sondheim shows. Yes. Um, I, I've done Funny Thing Happened Away at Forum. I played Hysterium. Uh -huh. um, I have done Into the Woods. I was Rapunzel's Prince. Yes. Getting to belt out Agony every night was one of, <laughs> one of my greatest uh, theatrical experiences. Uh, I feel like... Were you in that the Assassin's Over no. State? No. No, I was. I think I was... Doing something else, or I had a conflict, so I couldn't do the show. Um, but a little night music has a very special place in my heart because we did it at NC State, and um, John McAwee, the late great yeah. John McAwee, who I call my theater father, um, because my training is at NC State, and yeah. he had uh, quite a big hand in that training. He's many, many um, people's father. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he played. Uh, Frederick, yes, and it was just fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic, and and so 
now getting to do it. And I remember one of our, um, I forgot, uh, Alex Miller, who was in an administrative position at NC State, uh, played Count Magnus, and it, he was fantastic. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, this is a show that I said, okay, years later, at you know, tender age of forty-three, yeah. I get to I get to play this role. I get to do uh, a fantastic solo in praise of women. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. Uh, but the musical. It, the songs are beautiful. You know, uh, a lot of people probably know this, but it's all written in waltz and, yeah. and three quarters time. Right. Um, and it's just, I remember just being backstage and listening and actually waltzing while. Uh, yeah. So I am extremely excited about a little night music. He, um, <laughs> he, he would give himself challenges, right? Sondheim would say, mm-hmm. for in this case, I, I'm going to write the entire show in, in waltz mm-hmm. time. Um, uh, which is not, you know, most uh, writers look to tell the story, but for Sondheim, I, I felt like that to to some degree it, it, it was about the form mm-hmm. as much as it was anything else, that somehow he figured out a way to make the form tell the story. Um, and then I think of him as, uh, I'm sure you know this as a Sondheim aficionado, but he also would contribute anonymously to the New York Times crossword. Yes. Files, you know? uh, so he, that he would not I mean contribute the answers. I mean, contribute the right, files, you know, and they would use them because they were so meticulously well done. That mind of his and just and, and I think I speak for a lot of actors who've done Sondheim. When you get Sondheim and I will say you're still always searching, uh, but when you get the the melodies and the because he can tricky yeah, rhymes very, sometimes very. or uh, tricky tempos or tri- when you get that in your body it is a feeling unlike anything else um, you know I can remember the first uh, the Zitz probe for a Sondheim show yeah. and you feeling like you have it and the musical director is like we're in a good place yeah. you're like oh, okay okay it's just it's yeah. just something about it but anytime like I said anytime I can be in a Sondheim show or sing a Sondheim song I am there. Good. That's yeah. good. That's good. So last question. Um, uh, Arcadia, him, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a little night music. Uh, is there a thread there? Have you thought about that? <laughs> Maybe this is too soon to ask. I have, I have I have not. Other than, I mean, <laughs> pretty much all shows are about relationship. Yeah. Relationships time um the passage of time you know that comes up a lot in um Desiree and Frederick's relationship and and a little night music but the passage of time in him the passage of time literally from 1809 to 1993 for um Arcadia so I I love doing shows where we just explore human relationships yeah and the beauty of them, every the the, the warts and all, yeah. of of human relationships, uh, and that for me is pretty much the the, the through line for all the shows. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Madame Armfeld in a little night music. Uh, oh yeah. Who who is basically looking back at her life, and mm-hmm. I think on some level she's seeing different stages of her life in the in the other women in the cast absolutely who, who were at different stages yeah so it's almost like she's able to look through a, a time machine and yeah. see herself at these different stages which i think is um 
is is not un, unintentional mm-hmm. on Sondheim's part. So, Absolutely. So yeah, that's right. Time. Uh, I think the passage of time and and how it. Um, impacts relationships absolutely as well yeah so but who knows maybe by the time we get to the end we'll have a whole different idea (laughs) right and and that is the beauty of what we do right we we can say this is how we see something at this moment in time and then a week later a day later an hour later because we're interpreting it Uh, we're not creating the art right we're interpreting it absolutely and that means that each work of art that we interpret is is us as much as it yeah. is anybody else. And you know, so much of that too has to do with the audience yeah. as well. The energy, it is a symbiotic relationship. What do they bring into the Yeah, world? yeah. And you'll, I, I remember at certain times in Arcadia, sometimes getting laughs on certain lines where we we're like, oh, or yeah. the audience being like, ah, oh, on certain discoveries. It's happening in a big way in Moonlight. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah there's, a, there's some very interesting laughs that none of us expected. To, um, mm-hmm. Well, Byron uh, Jennings, thank you very much for joining thank us. You, um, him by Lolita Chakrabarty opens on January 25th, so not that far away. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, uh, thank and, you. Uh, Happy New Year to you, and, uh, and I will look forward to to seeing you back at the theater uh, in early January. Very soon. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for doing this.